When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, what um, do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Alright guys, it's that time of year. You love it. It's almost turkey season. Time to break out YouTube and start practicing on the way to work. What's that? Oh, you need a new diaphragm call? Kyle Allen over at ANF Custom Calls has your back. For just $7, you can get either a competition or a hunter series call in Batwing, V-Cut, or Combo Cut. And, if you tell him we sent you, by giving him code WDP20, you get free shipping. How can it be a deal like that? Head over to Facebook or Instagram, send them a message. Kyle will hook you up and help you put hooks on the ground. And remember, that's ANF Custom Calls. As always, a huge thanks to our OG sponsor, Williams Archery in Edinburgh, PA. Ron and Linda Williams, they are phenomenal people, and they have the know-how to get you back in the woods. Bow tuning, hands-on shooting lessons, and a wide variety of products for you to choose from. Go check them out, or give them a call at 724-667-9660. After you get your bow tuned, what do you need? You need the most bad-to-the-bone broadhead on the market. How about one that's made in America? By veterans. Hmm? I can get something better than made in America by veterans. Look no further than veteran innovative products. Matt and Cindy Federe, they can get this thing in your hands. And on your arrow, ready to rock. Just think about this. Flies like a field point. Kills like a bazooka fired by a bald eagle with Ted Nugent playing stranglehold in the background. Come on. Are you kidding me? Head over to Veteran Innovative Products, VeteranIP.com, and get some today. You won't be disappointed. All right, get into the episode. Welcome to the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the Rack Shack, Charles Headland. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. What's going on? I'm just chilling, man. We're in the Rack Shack. It's nice and warm. It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, man. We we never have to record an episode inside again. Freezing to death. Unless we choose to. 
Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, I agree. I'm so happy that you brought that over here. It yeah. was like game changer. So much breathe, more breathable out here. Like, this is where we comfort zone, you know? It's the Rack Shack, man. This is it. I keep saying it, but this is going to be very different very soon. <laughs> I promise. It's going to be very different very soon. It's going to be good. I believe you. I this know you t- do. This time, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I see you got some wood in here. You got some stuff starting to take apart. Some pallets, or not pallets, but boxes, more yeah. or less. Yeah, basically pallets. We're, we're going to... Yeah. Doing just a new wait. table. It's just getting wait. insulated. It's happening. We'll get our big sign in here. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to have a lot going on. I agree. It's going to be more like home. We'll get your damn golf clubs out of here. Nobody likes golf. All right. I'll get them out of here. Just kidding. I like golf. I know you do. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so, this is a fun episode, man. I'm really excited for this one. This I'm, is good. I'm looking forward to talking to Jay Scott. <sighs> no. Are you kidding me? That dude's the man. He's the chief. Man, you know I'm a podcast junkie, and he he's got a great podcast. He has a phenomenal podcast. The guy gives you so much information, and man, he's been grinding five years. He's been doing this thing, and he's at like 655 episodes. He puts out like 10 episodes a week, or not a week, a month. month. <laughs> he Still, puts out 10 a week. That's like that's <laughs> over two a week. <clears throat> that's that's intense, man. Good for him. And yeah. on top of that, he's killing all kinds of critters. He's guiding. He's yep. a real estate agent. He's doing everything he wants to, fishing and living in warm weather, not Man, in the cold and how, snow. How good, how good does he make living in Arizona sound? How good does 70 degrees right now sound? It sounds amazing. I know. And then you can go and chase three species of turkey? That's crazy. In one state? Rios. Merriams. Goulds. Unbelievable. Pretty freaking crazy, man. And they're all prettier than the ugly-ass eastern turkey that we get to shoot. It is not ugly, and I it's love it. It's so ugly. It's not All it has looking. to do is rain. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the ugliest turkeys on this planet. There's nothing worse than wet bird. Oh, dude. <laughs> that wet-bearded hen I shot on opening day the one year. Looked like a wet rat. Dude, I couldn't even <laughs> identify the thing. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, it was pretty intense, man. It was so bad. Like It was like, is this even a turkey? No, it's not. Ugh. <laughs> Wet Eastern. Smells like a dog, looks like a rat. <laughs> Got a beard. Eats like a chicken. A <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You know, the, the chicken thing with turkeys, too. Um, You know, I was talking to Bud last night, getting him all fired up, like, man, almost turkey season. And, you know, his question, he threw out a question. He's like, so what do you think, like... What do you think? How much their pattern is going to change from now till opener? Because oh, we got incredibly. good, we got a good bit of time till I opener. I saw turkey today. I saw like fifteen turkey. Oh, dude! Well, I told you I saw like forty, and I am not exaggerating. Yeah. Forty, maybe more. In <clears throat> one flock of them, they were just feeding across this hillside together. Yeah. There were so many turkeys you couldn't even see the ground. It was insane. That's crazy, man. But I told him I was like, dude, they're like chickens. They just they just go wherever the food is. Like. They just go where they want to. They don't have a thought in mind. They don't have a plan. It's not like deer. Deer bed in an area. You know, they go to food. They come back to bed. But they're going to react to pressure and stuff once the season yeah, hits. And it's going it's to sure, get but a little bit different. Say but. from now till opener, no one's in the woods. Yeah. No one's messing with them. They're just going to neander wherever their yeah. tiny turkey brains take them. Yeah, it'll change a little bit. But, you know, just keep keep on them. Keep scouting them. Follow them. Find out where they're going. I have about I four say. places, man, that I really need to... Pull up my big boy pants and go ask for permission because I've been seeing turkeys there like crazy over the years. Interesting. You just said that. I just sent out four packets. Okay. To landowners. Nice. Requesting permission. I highlighted 
and printed out a copy of Onyx with their property. Yeah. I wrote them a letter. I sent a permission slip and I sent a liability waiver. Cool. So hopefully that pays With a return envelope, off. I hope. With a, a self-addressed return <laughs> envelope. Absolutely. Was it stamped? It was. So we're going to see boy. how that responds. Well, why a don't lot you, of these uh, places, though, they have really long driveways. Yeah. I don't want to just go willy-nilly driving back their driveway. Knock They're going to be like, who is this? Yeah. You know, that field I saw those 40 turkeys. Yeah. That person doesn't live there. Right. They live off property. It's just they own a farmer's field or something. Right. The one place that I sent for a property, the owner doesn't live there either. They live down in Swickley. Hmm. So I got one on the way up to the camp that I don't know if you've ever seen the property or not. Actually, two now. But one specifically when I was heading to camp last year for turkey season. Yeah. I bet you I saw nine, eight, nine gobblers fanned out nice. across the hillside with like 30 hens. Very cool. Very cool. That's one place that I would really like to maybe send them one of those packets if... I'll, I'll send you I'll send you something to send the packets yeah. out. But I do agree knocking on doors is probably the best way to do it. And that's typically what I do. But some of these ones, they were, I'm not comfortable driving up to their house. Yeah. Basically. I feel like getting turkey permission, and correct me it's if I'm wrong. It's a lot easier than it's getting It's a lot easier, right? Absolutely. Especially around here. Yeah. Now, I've knocked on doors with guys with strutting toms in their yards, yeah. you know, across the street. And we didn't get permission. Well, but. Yeah. Not everybody's going to give you permission yeah, either. Right. I know? think we should get somebody on, and I actually have somebody in mind to do a permissions episode. Okay. So, I think that would be pretty cool. Well, until then, let's talk about Gold's Turkey. Yeah, let's get Jay Scott <laughs> on the phone. Why not? But why are we waiting any longer? Come on, guys. All right, guys. We are here today on the phone with a special guest reigning from Arizona. We have none other than the Jay Scott from Jay Scott Outdoors, the Western Hunting and Fishing Podcast. Jay, I know it's very warm over there in Arizona. It's not so warm here today. How are you enjoying it, buddy? Oh, man, I can't complain. It's it's awesome out here in Arizona. I think it was 76 degrees here in Phoenix, uh, wearing shorts and uh, the sun shining, and it's it, it's a great day to be alive out here for sure. That sounds like fun, man. I can't <laughs> I can't uh, really imagine that right now. I'm kind of freezing my butt off. So. Yeah. yeah, we're super jealous, but the advantage we have is we can put our beer right outside the door here, and it stays cold. So. There you go, man. There, there's advantages to everything. <laughs> Absolutely, there is. Well, Jay, I mean, you know, we know you because Austin and I kind of follow your stuff. We like your podcast. We, we love your content on social media. But from talking to some of the people locally, you know, not a whole lot of people knew uh, about you, you know, maybe people that don't listen to podcasts. So if you don't mind taking just a minute to kind of give a rundown of who you are and where you come from and, and what you do, I think that would be uh, great for our listeners. For sure, man. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. My name's Jay Scott. Like you guys said, uh, I live half the year in Arizona, half the year in Colorado. I'm a real estate uh, professional by trade pretty much buy and sell and, and uh, manage my own properties here in Arizona. And I, uh, I'm i a big game outfitter. Uh, I focus primarily coos deer, bighorn sheep, elk, and Gould's turkey. It's kind of my bread and butter. Just finished my 24th coos deer season in Mexico guiding down there. Also a licensed guide here in Arizona. In the fall, 
I've guided 20 years for elk in Arizona, and uh, three years ago, I took a position with a family friend of, of mine that owns a ranch in, in Colorado. It's a 50,000-acre ranch that has elk on it. It's called the Ot 6 Ranch. I uh, manage the hunts out there for the family. So I'm there September and a little bit of October. And during the summer, I'm in the Roaring Fork Valley in Colorado and do a lot of fishing, fly fishing, and hiking and just love big game hunting myself. And so I'm constantly training and getting ready for the upcoming hunts. You know, right now, I'm totally focused on Gould's turkeys. We'll start here about the 18th of April. And I just got off, like I said, the cooster hunt in January, the prime rut is in January. Had a really kind of a crazy season this season. One of the, one of the worst seasons I've had as far as consistent ruts. We had a dry monsoon, which is, you know, our monsoon season, which is our heaviest rainfall is July and August. We had a, a really good moisture except for those two months. So it kind of, in my mind, threw the antler growth off just a little bit and threw the, the, the consistent rut cycle was off. But we, we shot some really good bucks and uh, now I'm focusing on Gould's turkeys. And so we're, uh, oh, 45 days or so out from that and, just getting all my trips lined up and, and getting everything ready for the season. So um be my 11th season doing Gould's turkey hunts in, in Mexico and just an unbelievable bird. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, man, Jay, when do you find time to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I forgot to mention that, you know, I have a, a full-time podcast, released generally about 10 episodes a month, and I just celebrated my fifth year anniversary of, of starting my podcast. It started in February of 2015 and been an awesome um, experience being able to, you know, talk with a lot of people about hunting and fishing and, and um, try and bring, you know, lots of tactics and strategies and, you know, trying to help people become a better hunter. I've learned so much over my career as a guide and as a hunter. I just uh, love to be able to pass that along. So, yeah, I'm just enjoying the weather out here in Arizona and getting ready for turkey season. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on five yeah. years. That's a lot of work. You know, I think I'm 655 episodes in and five years. It's been a great ride. That's and, incredible. Um, just really enjoy it. That's awesome. That's what it's about, man. You got to enjoy it. That's a lot of work, yeah. man. I know, I, know, <laughs> I mean, we can respect that because we know what it takes to get it done. And we're we're two people. You're just one, you know. And uh, to yeah, get that many know, episodes uh, out, it's uh, super impressive, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I record all my own episodes. I edit all my own episodes, upload them, market them, the whole nine yards. So I'm kind of a one-man band. I've been very, very fortunate with the sponsors that I've had. I, really early on, I think five episodes in, I got my first sponsor, the GoHunt.com, who's still with me today. It's just been, it's just been a, a real joy to um, be able to, talk about hunting and fishing for sure that's fantastic man that's awesome yeah i always love when we have a podcaster on the other end it really makes our job easy <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you know i get interviewed quite a bit and people are like well you know and i'm like listen just tell me the topic i i don't need any prompting like i'm not nervous it's you know that's <laughs> all gone away and i'm happy to happy to chat and it, yeah. it really puts the interviewer kind of at ease just knowing that we can just you know kind of uh free roll with it yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the nice thing is, I mean, we can go back and forth on it, like you said, and, and, you know, the best part about it is it's just like recording another episode for you, but you don't have to do editing or any of the work. You just get to talk <laughs> hunting for once and, and relax and enjoy it. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. You know, so. But, I mean, that's awesome, man. And that's something that, you know, Austin and I kicked around a lot about a, a trip out to Arizona or, you know, I've been talking about turkeys now and making trips out west. And I, I want to hunt different subspecies, you know. We we have the easterns over here and you got to go a little ways to get into anything but easterns. So, I, the more I think about it and the more, you know, I talk about it, I, I told you before we started recording about my infatuation with Merriam's and you know, how beautiful they are. And then you, you know, you obviously specialize in golds, which is like we said, a Merriam on steroids. So why don't we get right into it? You know, everything about them was, you know what? I'll be honest. I don't know about you, Austin, but I don't know much about them. <laughs> I know. You know, they're red. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> they're an unbelievable bird. And to say they're a Merriam's on steroids, I mean, that pretty much nails it. You know, all of my hunters that come from back east in the Midwest, when they come and they, you know, get to be around the birds and get to see our Goulds turkeys, you know, the first thing that they mention is how tall they are. They also mention how big the track is. But, you know, from a weight standpoint, our birds mainly are ranging anywhere from 19 to 24 pounds. So they are very tall, but they, you know, they're, they don't have anywhere the weight that maybe some of the Midwestern birds have, you know, in that 25 to, you know, 22 to 28 pound range. I've even heard of some, you know, close to 30 pound birds. Our birds are nothing like that, but they do stand tall. They actually have one more primary feather than, than all the other turkeys, which is kind of interesting. And the white band on their tail fan, it, it, you know, is, is, is really white. Some birds are more white than others, but, you know, even compared to the white on a Merriam's, the Goulds have a lot more white on the banding of their wings and their secondary and primary feathers and then you know the the tail feathers have that big band and so you know most of the time when hunters come and hunt with me and they have a we have a bird coming in full strut it's been many many times where i'm literally behind calling or filming or whatever and i'll literally hear the hunter when they first see the bird you know maybe come out of the tree line at you know 50 60 yards and he's in full strut i've heard grown men literally go (laughs) <laughs> like literally like like lose their breath and you know it, it it's just a, they're an amazing showy bird um they love to strut they love to gobble they really come to the call very well because they just don't get messed with whereas some of the stuff in the midwest and the east and you've got you know areas where there's you know farmhouses and they're, they're always interacting with people these ghouls i mean literally hardly ever see anyone and if they do it's a cowboy on a horse and, you know, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. My videos are proof of that. But, you know, as a guide and as a hunter of Gould's turkeys, they spoil me, you know, every interaction. been fortunate now. I just finished my 10th season last year, um, and I've always carried a video camera. So I, I try and video all the hunts. And, you know, we shoot our birds at a very close range. We shoot our birds at about 20 to 25 yards, and most of them are feeding the decoys. And, you know, give us a 20, 30 minute show. And one of the biggest things I have to do with my hunters is, is prompt them before they, the hunt starts and just tell them, listen, guys, we're going to have lots of interaction. We're going to have lots of chances and you need to let these birds come when they're 50, 60 yards out and they're coming and they're coming to the decoys. Like most guys are like, Hey, if I get a clean shot and eat inside 60 yards, I'm going to kill them. I'm like, not, not on this trip. You're not. And then <laughs> after we, after we call the first one in, and have, you know, have them at 20 yards for 30 minutes and pecking the eyeballs out of the decoys, they understand that this is a, 
this is a whole different ball game and you know they're still completely wild birds but they just you know no one messes with them no one calls them and you know they're they'll they'll spoil you in a heart that's crazy i i feel like i remember seeing on instagram last year a video that you had of one of your clients shooting one of your decoys with an arrow Oh yeah, I, I, I remember that one. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was... Yeah, I mean, I use those Dave Smith uh, full strut decoys, and I use all the Dave Smith decoys. And guys lined up in the blind, and you know, drawn back, and you know, pretty rattled, and draws back, and just I mean, a hundred percent ten wheels the the uh, strutter and the, the, the Gould's gobbler standing right next to it and didn't even bother. Did he end up <laughs> killing it, it too was, with the next shot? Well, his buddy, his buddy was in the blind. Okay. Coming. He was rattled, and so his buddy just drew back and and was shooting the um, Magnus bullhead, and basically just decapitated the the uh, gobbler. But you know, (laughs) in an eastern situation, if the arrow goes off and and hits the decoy, that eastern bird's going to just take off running. This Gould's almost thought that the bird was like fighting him or something. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. So where does your like where does your biggest base come from? Where do the people come from when they book a trip? So I get a ton of people from Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Tennessee, all over the East Coast, Texas, you know, pretty much all of the eastern states, you know, Virginia, West Virginia, PA, Maryland, but tons from, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of in that southeast, you know, Georgia, that southeast region, it kicks out a lot of hunters and actually a lot from Wisconsin too. So, you know, most people are traveling a great distance and, you know, we've got, we've got ranches in Sonora, Mexico and Chihuahua, Mexico. We port out of Douglas, Arizona, which is Agua Prieta, Mexico. And we have a lot of options of ranches and probably I haven't added it up lately, but you know, close to 400,000 acres of private land. Now, not all of that is turkey habitat. A lot of it is coos deer habitat. And some of our ranches have coos and goulds. And some of our ranches just have goulds and some of them just have coos. But there is some overlap where ranches have both. But yeah, I mean, we have, you know, over 30 ranches for coos and 15 or so ranches for uh, goulds turkey. And, you know, both states, both Sonora and Chihuahua have a, a lot of goulds turkeys. Yeah, it's just an awesome, awesome hunt. So I set that question up because, I mean, selfishly, I really want to get into the details of this trip. But I set that question up because I was wondering when you were saying about how much bigger the Gold's turkeys are than the Easterns. I was kind of wondering, like, if you get a lot of guys that are normally just hunt Easterns, they come out there and they see those Gold's. Does it mess with their minds with the distance, like you said? Like, that turkey might be 60 yards, but it looks like it's 30 yards to them because it's such a bigger fan a bigger target not really up from that standpoint i mean but uh, you know like scott ellis he's from south florida he's come out and billy yargis from missouri's come out a couple times and i mean these are guys that have killed hundreds and hundreds of turkeys and they all say i mean every one of my clients our clients say how much bigger those birds are and you know a lot of it i think is when the wolves turkeys fanned out their tail fan as well compared to other birds are you know three to four inches longer so spread that fan out it just looks like a basketball coming right at you (laughs) and plus it's white you know on on the outer band and but i haven't had any like a perception where you know they're they're so you know and again they're 
a couple of inch a couple of inches. But when you when you fan that fan out, they just look you know gigantic when yeah. they're coming in, and it's an amazing bird. What you see on my videos is exactly what the hunts like. The reason I like to video the hunts is because I think it shows what the actual hunt is like, and and hunters can get a a sense of the show that we get and and how it is. And, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to 2020 season here and and uh, getting it underway. That's awesome, man. Uh, so let's say someone did want to book a trip. What does the process kind of look like? Is there a draw for tags, or is it something that you already have, or how does that kind of yeah, process so- go? It's it's a guaranteed tag process. So in other words, um, all they have to do is book the hunt, and there's no draw. And their price is all inclusive with the bird, the centio, which is the tag. The uh, most of the hunters use our guns. Foods included, the lodgings included, the transportation from the border to the ranch and back, and during the hunt is included. And we've got great Mexican partners uh, down there that I've worked with for you know some of them 24 years. And we work with our Mexican partner outfitters down there. Everybody gets a hunting contract and they're contracted with the outfitter organizer of the uh, ranch. And yeah, I, I just bring mostly Americans. I've taken a few Canadians down. And, and if, so if you want to go on a hunt, uh, I just send you a hunt contract. And like I said, we have great relationships with our Mexican partners down there. And I set it up. I've got everything scheduled on a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet and just uh, line out the dates. And me and, and all of our guides, we all, you know, have our different days and we run on basically a four day hunt structure. So just to make it easy, uh, for an example, let's say that the dates were April 26th through the 30th. You would fly in on the 25th. You would meet at the Best Western Hotel that the next morning on the morning of the 26th. And then you would ride with us to the ranch, get settled in, have some lunch, maybe have a little siesta, get everything ready. We go out for an afternoon hunt, kind of run and gun and try and strike birds that afternoon. Then we'll roost birds that night and hunt, you know, shoot birds if we can, call them in. And then ultimate goal is to roost them that night. And then we would hunt. For just the example, we would hunt, uh, that'd be the 26th, so we'd hunt the afternoon of the 26th, we'd hunt the full day, 27, 28, 29, and then we would come home early the morning of the 30th, and when I say come home, we would come home to the border, I would then pick up my next group and head right back down to another ranch, another property with another group, and I'll do six trips in a row like that, so... The interesting thing is most of my trips and most, most of our trips, excuse me, finish early. And, you know, after a couple of days, we're mostly limited and filled out. Everyone in camps filled their birds. And most of the time, uh, in most situations, the hunters want to go ahead and get back, maybe catch earlier flight. And that usually sets up where I can get, uh, you know, a little more organized if I have to or get any more additional supplies and be fresh for the next group and head back. Do it again. So, I mean, uh, we will hopefully kill, I don't know, 75 or 80 birds this year. And, um, it's, it's a real seamless process. We cape all the birds. So if guys want to do a full body mount, the guides cape all the birds. If you want to just do a tail fan, you know, whatever you want to do, we can do it. And then, uh, we handle all the paperwork, uh, to bring the birds back and, and cross them through customs is an easy process i think we crossed like 60 birds last year and <laughs> awesome. the one thing that that needs to be noted is all birds in mexico 
whatever birds it may be, they have to go to a USDA-approved establishment taxidermist. And it's real easy to find out who's a USDA-approved establishment taxidermist in your in your area. Just go to Google, um, type in USDA-approved establishment taxidermist, and a, a drop-down menu will pop up, and you just put your state in, and then it will list every taxidermist in your state that is USDA-approved. Those birds, within 30 days of crossing the border, have to go to that taxidermist. They have to fill out a little form and certify that they did receive the birds in. And they just do a little check. Ultimately, they spray them with a little formaldehyde and certify them, and, and then you're good to go. You can either mount them yourself or, or have that taxidermist or another taxidermist mount your birds. Cool. So, Jay, do you have to then present, like, at the border, you have to bring your... Um what, passport? passport? Your passport. Sorry, couldn't think of the word. Do you have to yeah. bring a passport? Like, a, and if you're driving, then you just need that stamp. Is that right? Or do you need full yes. book? Um, yeah, passport. You get what's called a, for twenty seven dollars. You get a turista permit that allows you to travel into Mexico, and you get one hundred eighty days of travel. And then you need the passport for sure when you reentry into the United States. Have to have passport or passport card to get back into the U.S. Although I have seen circumstances where uh, birth certificates, driver's license work as well, but they tell you to bring a passport. The actual rule is they cannot die, deny a U.S. citizen entry into the country, but they do really want you to have a passport. And I won't take anybody unless they have their passports. Um, you know, passports are easy too. You pay a little bit more money, but you always want to get the expedited process, and it takes about two and a half weeks. If you just go regular passport, you know, it could take two and a half to three months. So I always recommend, hey, if you're going to do it, pay a little bit more, get the expedited passport process and get that passport and uh, you'll be on your way. Cool, cool. So the limit's over there then. That's one bird per hunter. Is that correct? No, you can actually shoot multiple birds. Um, you just have to have a hunting contract, uh, like I said, and you have to have, you can actually buy multiple tags. And so what I like to do is I like to have my guys that are hunting, when they sign up, tell me how many birds they want to take. And that that helps me kind of plan which group I take where, because I take different group sizes to different places. I have some places that are smaller, and, and, and I have some places that are bigger, and, and you know, I can accommodate more group or, or size of groups. So I always like to know kind of how many birds are going to be shot. And that allows me to plan which ranch we're going to go to. One of the things that makes us so successful is not only are the birds amazing, they don't get any pressure, is that, you know, we bounce around from fresh ranch to fresh ranch. So everyone's always getting to hunt birds that haven't been messed with. And that's why you see the videos that are so good. You know, literally, they get fresh birds and, I, you know, our guides are the only one. You know, we show up to hunt and nobody's been there before calling and you know, they'll usually come on a string. That's amazing. Now, another thing I was wondering, when you're down there turkey hunting, are there opportunities for any other species? I know when you're doing coos deer hunt, sometimes there's javelina involved and different things like that. Is there anything else you can yeah, do? Say you got done early, you can go after something else? Well, the reality is there's really nothing else in season that time of year. Okay. Um, there's there's gold turkeys, but, you know, the, the quail and the deer and the javelina, those are all not in season. Now, I could get a special permit and license and get javelina and get, you know, some smaller game and some of that stuff in season. But the reality is most of the time, you know, we're getting up, it, you know, that time of year here in Mexico and in Arizona, 
you know, the sun is coming up so dang early. We're usually like rolling at 3.15 a.m., Wow. you know, out to the areas to get, you know, in, in the position where the roost trees are and, you know, get set up in the complete pitch black dark. You know, usually we come back after a good morning hunt and have a brunch, lunch type thing, have a, you know, a couple hours siesta during the middle of the day and then, you know, head back out at, you know, three o'clock or so. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it's a beautiful gentleman's hunt as far as, you know, you get, you get a great morning hunt in, good lunch and then a nap and then you keep that process until everybody fills out. So there's not much time to other hunting. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, another thing I was kind of curious about, I know a lot of times when people go to Texas or say even Arizona, guys have to worry about like snakes and they got to wear snake boots or snake chaps or anything like that. Is some, that's something you have to worry about down in Mexico? No, I've seen one rattlesnake in 10 years that I've been doing it. And it was on the last day of the season about five years ago and it was off in the road. You know, the second I say that, I'm going to go sit on four of them, but, um, <laughs> I've literally never seen a rattlesnake. None of my guys have seen a rattlesnake, you know, until those later hunts in May. We go April, roughly April 15th to May 15th. We try and capitalize on the peak gobbling season because the season actually starts at the end of March and runs all the way to the end of May. But I only want to hunt them during the you know best gobbling, and that's, you know, normally April 15th to May 15th. And the snakes, uh, it's still cold, relatively cold in the evenings and at night. And so the snakes are really not out. About May 15th is when, you know, from May 15th to all the way through the summer, you know, is when they really start coming out. And, and you know, if we were hunting them a month later, there'd be snakes all over. But snakes are not a problem. Bugs are not a problem. It's really nice. I mean, guys are saying, you know, should I bring my thermocell? Should I bring my snake boots? I'm like, no, you don't need any of that. <laughs> Just bring your sunscreen. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's good. Then we might get Austin to go down there because he's a super snake sissy. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am too. You know, growing up here in Arizona, I'm around them so much. I just, I just don't like them at all. I, I don't want to be around them. It's uh, one of God's creatures that I wish he never made. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> Come on, we all know that's spiders. Okay. <laughs> all right, so Jay, I mean, if you got a guy that, you know, he's just, he's always just watching the news, and, and the only thing he ever hears about Mexico is, you know, the violence or the danger, you know, what, what can you say about the safety of your trips and, you know, if someone, to kind of ease the mind of someone that that's their concern is the safety of going into Mexico and doing a hunt, uh, you know, beyond the U.S. border. Yeah, I mean, I, what I can tell you is in 24 years of, you know, spending 30 days during coos deer season and, you know, 30 days during turkey season, obviously turkey's only been the last 10, but 24 years coos deer hunting, I've never seen or heard of a problem in any of our groups. I've never had any, any issues at all. You know, safety's our, our main concern. Got all of our travel routes down. We travel during the day. We don't travel at night. We travel together don't stop and go to places that we shouldn't be and um, a lot of the problems that you hear are people that are in a bad place and you know doing things they shouldn't do and getting tied up with the wrong people and you know I think the reality is we can get that same trouble anywhere in the United States um, you guys know places I'm sure there's places in Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh and you know Harrisburg and some of those other places you know around you know, Cleveland, Ohio, I mean, close places to you where there's, you just don't go at, at night and you don't go, you know, even during the day in certain situations. So, 
you know, the reality for me is, you know, I take my wife, I take kids, I take people's wives and, and take kids all the time and, and never had an issue, never had a problem. I don't anticipate any problems. I can only speak on my experience, but, um, you know, 24 years of experience, uh, not having had any problems or issues, it, it, I think speaks a lot. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you there, Jay. And I, I mean, I, I can tell you honestly that, you know, I might be picking my route just from Austin's house to my house home certain way just to avoid those areas. I mean, they're, they're everywhere, man. There's, there's no real way around it. Um, especially here in the States, but. You know, I wanted to touch on that because I know you spoke on, you know, your partnerships with Mexico and some of the things you have going on over there. I knew it was 100% safe and, you know, you do everything the right way, but I just wanted yeah, I mean, them to hear it. Yeah, I mean, just putting yourself in a position to succeed and, you know, that's uh, kind of something I try and follow in, in everything I do in life and, and try and, you know, position yourself where you're going to be successful and so it, it, I do the same thing with, you know, safety and travel. And yes, I encourage anyone out there, if you get a chance to go to Mexico, it's an amazing country. It's unbelievably beautiful and diverse. There's just, I mean, the most beautiful forests you've ever seen to the, you know, prettiest deserts you've ever seen to the oceans and lakes. And it's, it's just an incredible place. I can attest to that. I've been to Mexico several times. I love it. I usually go about once a year or so. Don't be afraid to get down there, people. It's awesome. <laughs> Jay can attest to that too. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's incredible. I gotta get my butt down there for sure. So I I was I stumbled across something today because you know and it maybe wasn't just today. I've, I know I've heard it before, but I was looking through your podcast and I was trying to find some turkey content because, like I said, I am just tore up right now. It's you know it's cold and it's snowing outside, but. Our turkey season's coming, and I, I've seen some big flocks driving to and from work, and it's just got me fired up. But what I really enjoyed was your seven-part series with Chris Rowe that you did back in March 2019. Uh, it's funny because you start listening to the first episodes, and you guys are talking about, yeah, this might be a one or two-parter, and then next thing you know, there's seven parts, and it's just full of so much information. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. So I, I wanted to bring that up because anybody's looking for good turkey content, that's somewhere I would start, you know, especially if you're like a beginner or if you want to just, you know, know more about the species and the hunting. And, you know, you guys go all in depth on all kinds of uh, information as far as scouting and hunting and everything. So, yeah, I, you know, when I, when we did that, um, I told Chris that I wanted to really dive in the weeds and try and make as comprehensive information that's out there. And, you know, I want to say it's a seven part series. I want to say it's probably close to 10 hours. You know, some of the episodes are an hour and a half long, but we're covering everything from, you know, roost setups, midday setups, morning setups, you know, decoy positioning. I mean, the whole nine yards basically if someone's you know new or even experienced turkey hunter i think they can pick something up and chris is always a valuable resource and we do a lot of you know uh, elk podcasts and you know he's a wildlife biologist and he's a hunter and so yeah i mean i'm glad you picked up on that you know i get lots and lots of feedback from that seven part series and you know i i, I tried to and we're actually going to do some this spring here um in the month of march and try and dive in and and just kind of cover it again. But I'm sure a lot of new stuff will come out because we kind of just free, freelance it and just kind of go off the cuff. But certainly, you know, Chris has a lot of background in, in guiding birds in Kansas and working with those Rio Grande turkeys a lot there. And, you know, he's also had a lot of experience with Easterns. He's from back east in New York. And, 
he obviously hunts Marion's and he's hunted ghouls with me and stuff too. And then I bring more of the Western, you know, the, the Merriams, the Goulds, the Rios to the conversation, but it's very comprehensive. And any turkey hunter out there, I agree, it's, it's something you can listen to and really pick up some good nuggets of information for sure. Yeah, I think you guys dive in pretty deep and it was, it was very informative. It was good stuff, man. But what would you, how would you describe kind of the terrain? You talked about Mexico a little bit and how beautiful it is with nice forests and whatnot, but what? What kind of terrain are you hunting these golds in? So we kind of have a mixed amount of terrain. You know, they're gentleman hunts, so they're not super physical. But, I mean, we do have, you know, mountains all the way up, you know, 7,000 feet. And, and, you know, the Chihuahuan pines are they're just like ponderosa pines, very similar ponderosa canopy type forests to, you know, some of the more oak lands, chaparral kind of country where, you know, you've got kind of these river bottoms, little creek bottoms and drainages. And, you know, they're, they're roosting in sycamore trees, cottonwood trees, uh, black oak. And, and so depending on which ranch we're hunting, you know, you can get, and especially from Sonora to Chihuahua, you can get all different types of terrain and, and, uh, it makes it nice because it mixes it up for, for us as guys getting to bounce around. You know, you, you could be calling a bird through Ocotillo's and Mesquite and take a cool picture with that and have cactus in the background to, you know, up in the high pines with, you know, green meadows. And, you know, it looks like you're in some of the hardwoods in Georgia or something, you know, with the exception of the pine trees. But, you know, most of the hunts, we use Polaris Rangers a lot of times. Sometimes we'll use our trucks and, you know, kind of have a, you know, quarter mile, half mile walk, and we'll kind of walk into a place where we're going to set up and, you know, set the decoys. And, and those Gould birds, you know, they, they'll come from a long ways away. And so, you know, just getting them to gobble and then you know, trying to get set up and figure out, you know, where they're going to come to. They have to drink water every day. And most of the ranches, you know, compared to other places where turkeys are, they're fairly arid. So, you know, a lot of times if you can be around water, you're going to have a real good chance of, you know, finding some Gould's turkeys and hearing some Gould's turkeys. And, you know, the terrain is just awesome. If you watch my videos, you'll see there's kind of a variety of terrain there for sure. But, you know, definitely most people comment on, you know, how arid it is compared to where they're from and where the turkeys are. But, you know, if you find water, typically you'll find Gould's. That's kind of interesting. Now, What's the population of turkey kind of look like down there? Is it a high density or is it kind of sparse as far as finding birds or is there a lot you're kind of running into them all the time? How's that kind of go? It, you know, it depends on which ranch and which area in Sonora or Chihuahua you're, you're in. There are areas that are, you know, a lot more high density than others. And the birds are pockety too, you know, with the, with the water the way it is. You know, there's places where we'll go in the morning and we'll have, you know, two or three birds gobbling that you can hear and you know you're working birds and there'll be sometimes you drop into a drainage and you'll have you know 10 to 15 birds just gobbling up and down the drainage so you know like anything there's there's places where there's more birds and there's places where there's less you know it's not a lot of times it's not like some of the places i've been to in texas or what have you where you know you could hurt your 30 or 40 gobblers on the on the roost just you know ripping up and down the ridges there but, you know, I've had lots of guys that I've never heard so much gobbling in my life. So, I mean, the birds we do have, they'll gobble their brains out. I mean, hmm. guys ask me, they're like, when's the best time to come? And I tell them, you know, we hunt the prime month and they gobble as good the first day as they do the last. 
and there's really no like downtime. Like, well, there's got to be. They get pinned up. I'm like, they still gobble, they still strut, and they still come to calls. Whereas, you know, a lot of other places, those birds will get pinned up and they get really, really tricky and tough. You know, our our goobs are. You can call in a whole flock. You can call in five toms together. It just kind of depends on where you're at. What's their attitude like, Jade? I mean, do they come in super aggressive? You know, you say they gobble I mean, a lot, but how do they yeah, act? I mean, they're like any bird. I mean, you've got your subordinate birds that are, you know, come in a little a little leery, especially if I got the full strutters out and stuff. You know, they'll kind of skirt around. They'll Eventually, they'll all come in. That's what I always say. They all come in one way or another. And you, you know, you'll get toms you've seen probably on the videos where these toms just come literally running in. Just come straight to the strutter decoy or the jake and just literally knock it off its stake. I would say, you know, in general, their attitude is just very aggressive, but they love to strut too. So they'll take their time, you know, just literally plowing a field, dragging their wings, coming into the set. So, you know, sometimes it's all anyone can stand that's, you know, from Alabama. You know, they've got a five bird limit, but, you know, they, they're shooting at 50, 60, 70 yards sometimes because they're so skittish. It's sometimes it's it's all that they can do to sit there with their back to a tree and have the bird break the tree line at 70 yards and literally take 25 minutes to come to 20, strutting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, one of the things with all my videos that I try and show is literally a lot of stuff I just have to completely cut out because sometimes the birds will take, you know, 20 minutes to come 30, 40 yards because they're literally just going back and forth, back and they're coming one inch closer. They go all the way and they, you know, they're, they're doing like a 20 yard strut zone where they'll strut all the way. They'll come one, two inches closer, then strut all the way back, come one to two inches closer and, you know, take forever. So a lot of times on my videos, even when I'm posting them on Facebook and stuff, you know, I, I, I kind of cringe because I'm like, oh, man, I wish people knew that this was actually going on for 30 minutes and I had to cut it to a minute clip, you know? Yeah. That's actually kind of, that's got to be frustrating, honestly. <laughs> but at the well, same time. Well, it's frustrating only in the fact that I can't, you know, people don't want to watch a 30 yeah. video, most people. But it's like, in person, it's the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. I mean, literally, guys, I'm just telling you. And this goes for, you know, there's lots of other great ghoul outfitters out there. The birds just make us look good. And they're almost all circumstances, guys that hunt with us. And even other guys that hunt wolves, turkeys, they just say it's the best turkey hunt they've ever been on. Yeah, I was gonna say that that doesn't do you good for uh for videoing, but I bet you the guys in the in the blind are just coming unglued as they watch the bird just ease in the whole time, <laughs> strutting, putting on a show. I mean, when you talk turkey hunting, that's the experience you want. I mean, you you close your eyes at night and you start dreaming about turkeys. That's what you dream of, you know, when they're just strutted up. Most people up. say it's turkey Disneyland. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of jaded to it because, you know, I get to see so many birds come and do that. And, you know, the nice thing is morning and evening, you know, our mornings, you know, usually mornings on all turkeys are better than evenings. But quite honestly, our afternoon and evening hunts are just as good as the morning. So it's very, very likely, you know, we we kill birds in the morning, kill birds, you know, midday, and we kill them in the in the afternoon, and evening. So it's very common for us to shoot birds multiple sets, uh, running and gunning. And and you know, last year I had a group of three guys. I think they're from Indiana, and three guys, and we shot 
six birds in one day. They each got two apiece, and we basically were done on the first day and had unreal video. And it was just one of those days where, you know, everything was awesome and, and just had some incredible encounters. And they killed, they all filled out in, in the first day of full hunting. It was crazy. That's intense. Do you ever get to chase turkeys down there yourself? You ever get to go after them with the gun? You know, I could do all that I wanted. To be honest with you, I yeah. I just enjoy watching other people who don't, you know, they're turkey nuts and they don't get to experience that. So for me, the joy is watching other people's face light up and watching people complete their world slams and their yeah. royal slams. I mean, there's there's guys out there that you know have hunted, you know, forty, fifty, sixty years that have come and hunted with me. I mean, I've had guys in their seventies and eighties and you know, to see them, you know, cap their whole world slam off with an unbelievable showy Gould's turkey that's just strutting their stuff and, you know, blowing up the decoys. For me, that's the joy. I don't, you know, I love hunting and, and such, but I love guiding. I love watching people be successful. And, and, you know, it's just something that I I think the older I get, the more that I just um, want to see people succeed and have a good time. There is something to be said for that. That's awesome. Now, every time we, we, we typically have a kind of a theme to our show, we like to get a story out there. Now, I don't know if you have a favorite hunting story of, of turkey hunting yourself or whether you have a story that really sticks out in your mind of you guiding. Is there anything along the lines of that? Maybe you could tell us a story or you want to think about it and we can go on to another topic. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I got, I can talk all day long. I, I've got <laughs> lots of stories. You know, one story that jumps out at me is, uh, well, 10, 15 years ago, my cousin had a Merriam's turkey tag here in Arizona, and I went up. He couldn't get up the night before to roost birds. And in Arizona, you can hunt all day long. You can hunt, you know, sun up, sun down. Whereas some states, I know you can only hunt till one or whatever. But anyway, I went up to this area a couple hours from my house. We were going to camp out for a couple of days, and he had a tag. I, I didn't. I was just going to help him. And I went to roost birds, and it was, oh, it was probably, I don't know, 45 minutes before dark, and I worked my way up. I parked my truck at this kind of old um, blocked off logging road and I had to go uphill and then kind of drop down into this next canyon where I wanted to hear some birds gobble. And uh, I worked my way up. It was probably about a half mile up and um, was kind of right at the top of the ridge up on a saddle on a blocked off forest road. And so no vehicle traffic, but you can walk it. And I was listening for birds and didn't hear anything and was just kind of listening, standing there. And I looked down the road all the way at the bottom, a couple hundred yards away, and I saw uh, what I thought was a coyote um, down there, and I love to call anything. So I... <laughs> and I could see that the, that it heard me, so I just kind of crept down and kind of got down and, and kind of laid down right there in the saddle and was hoping to call him right up the road. And so I kind of did that. I kind of lip-squealed for a second. I kind of looked up, and I could see down. I could see some movement, so I was like, okay, it's got, I've got their attention. So anyway, I kept lip, lip squeaking and came up, came up the saddle and came face to face. It was probably, I don't know, uh, to, uh, you know, it gets closer every time that I tell the story, but I would say six to seven, eight yards away was a mountain lion. And, oh uh, no. <laughs> I was face to face with the mountain lion. And so I just slowly stood up and said, get out of here. Go on. Get, go on. Get out of here. And it just looked at me. And then it kind of lowered down, like kind of got ready and it was like lowering. It was, you know, on all fours, obviously, but it was kind of lowering to the ground. I was like, oh, man. Oh, no. So I started backing up and I raised my hands. You know, I always hear you, you want to appear big. And 
So I'm waving my hands, get out of here. And when I'm backing up, fast as I'm backing up, but just slowly, but I'm facing it, kind of ready for it. And it's just every step I would take back, it would take a step. So now we're five or six yards apart and just really kind of paralleling me, if you will, or just you know, dancing, just following me. You guys are dancing. And I'm going backwards going, get out of here. So it's just now we've gone probably 15 yards or so and it's following me and I'm facing it still. So I'm walking backwards and I look down. There's like a, I don't know, 15, 18 inch kind of pretty good chunk of a stick and I grabbed it in my left hand. I'm like, all right, if this thing, I didn't have a gun or nothing. I'm like, all right, if this thing comes, I'm going to, I'm going to have to fight for my life. Well, I kept backing up. I go another 10 yards and it's still just slowly one step in front of the other following me low to the ground. So I reach down and grab a rock and I throw it. It wasn't even close. I was like three feet away and I threw another rock. And every time I would throw, you know, for four or five rocks, it would just literally dodge it like it was in slow motion. Like you would see it come and just move away from the rock. <laughs> now I've built up like a 10 yard gap and I hit it with a rock and I'm going, I'm still sc- kind of screaming, get out of here, go on. And as soon as I hit it with the rock, it goes, Oh my gosh. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. And at this point, I can distinctly remember, I can mimic it. You guys can't see me. It's an audio podcast, but picture your, your right hand that's trying to throw a rock and picture it uncontrollably shaking. Like just literally, like, like for a lack of a better term, someone with Parkinson's, like literally like shaking his heart, like just uncontrollably. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like adrenaline was running and I could feel my knees literally shaking. And anyway, I kept backing up, backing up, backing up. And now I built like a 30 or 40 yard gap. The problem was, guys, it was getting so dark that I was going to be in the dark with this thing. And I knew never to run. And it just seemed like it went on for an hour, but it was probably a five minute episode. I turned and started running towards my truck. And I remember after about 10 drives, as hard as I could go, I remember looking back over my shoulder and the lion was just literally trotting like a, like a little puppy dog, not running, just kind of thinking, thinking, just following you home, like 50 or 60 yards. I never looked back after that, but here's what I do remember. And I can't simulate it to this day. I remember the backs of my heels hitting the back part of my butt every stride I took. If that makes sense, I was running downhill. And the reason I remember it is because I thought, that's crazy. I've never felt my seat hit my butt in my life. (laughs) And I thought, and my knees were shaking. And I thought, don't fall. The last thing you want to do is fall. Anyway, I ran as hard as I could towards my truck. I never looked back again. And I had that stick in my hand. I was just waiting for that thing to come jump on me. And I had a, you know, the keyless remote entry on my seat chain and yeah. I hit it. And I remember seeing my headlights come on. I jumped in the vehicle and I looked back there and the lion was gone. <laughs> oh, man. So I sat there for a minute, tried to regain my composure and I drove down the road and I got about a half mile down the road. And here's a guy coming to set up his turkey camp and he has his lantern on and he's just setting up his little, little Coleman tent. <laughs> and I just pulled in there and I like pulled into his camp. He was the only one in there. And I walk up to him. He goes, man, are you okay? I never <laughs> met this guy in my life. He goes, you're white as a ghost. 
I mean, this is me. He knew something was wrong. I said, hey, man, I just had an incident with a lion up there. You know, you might want to think about not camping here. And he's like, oh, I'll be fine. Tell me where it is. I said, up there in that saddle. And anyway, so I went and met my cousin. We didn't go back there the next morning. But during the day, I wanted to show him where it all went down. So we went back and we pulled up there. And the guy was in camp and he flagged me down. I went over there and he said, hey, I went up there after my morning turkey hunt. He goes, right in that saddle where you said, just off to the right, I found a two-point mule deer buck. It was half covered up. That lion, that lion was probably protecting its kill. Oh, so, so that lion was probably a female. And she probably had a kill right there, and um, she was just protecting her kill. So I'm pretty fortunate that uh, that I'm probably talking to you guys today. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that is definitely the most intense story we've heard on here. So, oh man, I'm glad you made it, Jay. I'm gonna catch my <laughs> yeah, breath after that one. <laughs> Dang, I've I've heard some stories. A good buddy of my dad's, he's had a couple run in with lions. Same thing, you know, out west, just hiking and. Next thing you yeah. know, you kind of get that feeling something's watching you, and he turned around, and he was face-to-face with a lion, and it was just sitting there, you know, same thing. He got big, but the the crazy part about these stories, you never, it's not like, you know, around here we have black bears, and any story you ever see with a black bear, you hear about a black bear for the most part, you, you kind of, you make yourself known, and they take off running. But do you ever hear that with mountain lions? It's almost, it almost seems like they always just sit there and look at you. Like a cat, yeah, like your house cat they're, would. Yeah, they're very um, observant animals, and they kind of like to watch. And, you know, they're not afraid of anything. Um, most lions, you know, I've seen a lot of lions, you know, close to 50 lions in my in my hunting career and guiding and stuff, um, you know, mostly with binoculars at long range. But, you know, for the most part, they're very observant. You know, they're very patient, and they like to watch and kind of calculate and, and you know, so it's really neat to see them. We see, you know, I usually see a couple a year, uh, for sure. Uh, I see a lot down in Mexico when I'm hunting coos deer. Um, they, they, they're real prevalent down there in the coos deer country, but, uh, they're an amazing animal, um, beautiful animal, and we've got plenty of them. And, uh, yeah, if you come to Arizona, um, likelihood you'll see a, you know, likely you'll see a lion track for sure. That is crazy. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe Arizona's not the place in Mexico. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I can deal good. with snakes. I'm not, I'm not afraid of snakes, yeah. but yeah. mountain lions, man, they're impressive species. You got Jay there to throw rocks at it for you. You're That's good, good to go. Point. Right. That's a good point. I'm going to have to get That's like right. reconstructive surgery on my shoulder first so I can throw hard. <laughs> you know what's funny is, um, to this day, I've never seen my hands shake like that. I mean, ever. I mean, we're yeah. talking like, Full adrenaline rush. I mean, like hands, like if you just put your hand and just literally shake it, it's like, that's what it, I looked down and that's what my hands were doing. Oh man. It's like, it's like post shot on a giant buck and you just get the crazy yeah, exactly. legs. Exactly. <laughs> that is so fall cool. Out of the, fall out of the tree stand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is wild. But man, that, that's a great story. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know what? Another thing that I find myself doing a lot of times, I kind of go fanboy and I, I always have a, a little bit of a favorite quote from some people, and I, I heard this quote from you again, listening to some of your stuff today, and and, and I'm, let me paraphrase, but I believe you said something along the lines when asked, you know, what weapon you prefer to use for turkeys, and I'll never forget when you said that you just love to shoot turkeys in the face with pellets, and that's what shotguns are made for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of guys want to bring their bows, and I'm like, you know, a turkey is just made perfectly to be shot in the face with a pellet. You know, like, 
you know, bow, we kill a lot of birds with archery equipment, but it's just a perfect, it's a perfect weapon, it's a perfect animal to, and it's a perfect blend of call them in and just blast them. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. I absolutely love it. It's funny because, you know, the more, we have a rifle season here and a high powered rifle with deer and we just, I mean, we, we love archery season so much more than with a gun. It's not even funny, but you get the turkeys or small game and it's like there's something to be said about shooting animals with a shotgun it's just a, oh, yeah. it's totally different than uh you know a high-powered rifle the the feeling and the because you, you still got to get relatively close to a turkey you know to, oh, to, yeah. to shoot them and effectively kill them hit them in the head i mean it's not a huge yeah, target I think the, the kill zone with the turkey with a bow can be deceiving to a lot of people and i you know seen birds run off yeah. The last thing I want to do, these birds are so precious. The last thing I want to do is have a bird wounded and run off. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I typically like to tell people I, I really discourage them from using a bow. You know, the Gould's turkey in my mind are extra, extra special. And, you know, I definitely don't want to have any birds lost. So I, I really prefer a shotgun. And, and, you know, most of our, you know, guys are like, well, can we bring our own shotguns? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you don't need all those fancy full chokes and shoot to 60 yards. I mean, you need to literally a modified choke that would be fine. We use full chokes, but we would be just fine shooting the 20 yards with a modified choke, especially, you know, with this apex ammunition and, and you know, this, this tungsten, it's, it's, you know, it, it's revolutionized this whole deal and, you know, short shots and, you know, knocking those birds down. I mean, we're there to kill. You know, I just don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of the archery for, for turkeys because I've just seen them run off and we, that's the last thing yeah. we want. <clears throat> no, that makes total sense. Yeah, I've thought does. about, you know, going out with a bow and I've never done it. I've never shot a turkey with my bow, but, you know, I, I think if I go that route, I'm going to just, I'm going to go with the lop their heads off technique because I don't really want to shoot, you know, try to aim for that small kill zone on yeah. their body. I, I'd rather, yeah. if I miss, I miss and they walk away fine. If I hit them, it cuts their head clean off pretty much for the most part. And, you know, they're dead as fast as they are with a shotgun. Exactly. I love the head shots. I love the head and neck shots because if you hit them, you're going to kill them. Right. I, you know, the body shots, I, I'd rather clean this or, or, you know, if you, if you catch them anywhere in the neck or heads are dead. So it's like an all or nothing. And I, right. I really like that. So if guys come out and say, say, we want a headshot only, I'm fine with that. Because I know that we won't have any birds lost if, if they do that. Yeah. And, you know, guys will argue, oh, tur- a well-hit turkey. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's the point. You know, well-hit turkey in the body will die fat, you know, faster than fast. But, you know, the problem is I see lots of guys and they can't execute that shot. And, and you know, when they're in full strut, sometimes it's hard to pick that exact point. So, yeah, they're, they're awesome birds. I, I encourage anyone out there, if they ever get a chance to hunt Gould's turkeys, whether it be with me or, or anyone else, uh, definitely head to the Gould's Turkey Woods because you, you will not be disappointed. They're crazy, amazing bird. Yeah. And uh, one other thing that amazed me that I heard on one of your podcasts was their beards and spurs. And we didn't get too much in depth on the Gould's as, as probably we wanted to, but I wanted you to touch that as maybe a final topic we cover and kind of you know explain in comparison to some of the other subspecies, like what to expect from the spurs and beards on these yeah so before i do that you know every year we'll kill a multiple bearded gobbler i mean we had one we've had them you know five bearded four bearded three bearded two bearded that's incredible um, I think last year we killed a four bearded the year before a couple years before we killed a five bearded 
but the beards in general are not near. They're nothing like the paintbrush ropes that you guys um, have back east. You know, most of the time they'll top out at about 10 and a half to 11 inches. You know, I've seen them longer, you know, but you get them from that 8 to 10 inch range. Uh, and they're just not near, they're more like a Merriam's beard. And the, you know, the rocky terrain is a lot more like, uh, you know, the Merriam's country and the Gould's country. I think, you know, a lot of the beards get knocked off. You know, it's not that plush, beautiful green grass. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's rough, rocky terrain. It's got some contour to it. So I think they're dragging those beards and they're, you know, knocking them off. So it's rare to get a bird over 11 inches. And then the spurs, you know, we've every year we'll kill them, you know, just over an inch. Um, but that's a really, really good bird. Um, it's super rare to get real, like, sharp spurs, like what I see, you know, on some of those Easterns and stuff and Osceolas. We just don't get them. They, You know, with the rocky terrain, they round them off. You know, so most spurs are in that half-inch range to, you know, just under an inch range. You know, with I would say... Average birds are going to have half to three-quarter inch spurs. And, I mean, some of these birds are four-year-old birds. The other thing is we have so many predators with lions, bobcats, you know, coyotes, skunks, you name it. You know, I, our birds just don't get much older than four years old. You know, so in the chance where maybe we would get a bird that would have an inch and a half spurs, you know, their lifespan just isn't that long. And so, yeah, guys come out, you know, don't expect an inch and a half, two-inch spur or anything like that. It, Definitely that, you know, half inch to inch and, you know, get anything over an inch, you'll probably be in the top, you know, four or five birds that we'll shoot all year. But, you know, we do get multiple bearded gobblers and most beards are, you know, eight to ten inches. And, you know, I get a lot of people asking, well, do you, do you score your turkey? I'm like, no. And they're like, well, you score everything else. I'm like, yeah, well, I score everything else to be accurate in field judging. But I'm of the opinion if you have a mature bird, he's gobbling, he's strutting, it doesn't matter how long his beard or his spurs are, just, you know, enjoy the moment of the gobble and the strut and the encounter and, and take what you're given and, and, um, you know, harvest your bird and, and then, you know, be grateful if you get, you know, one of those birds that's, you know, got multiple beards and, you know, a couple of, uh, a 10 and an 8 incher or something and, and, you know, an inch-long spurs, that's a true trophy for a ghoul. Absolutely, and that, that's exactly what it's about. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, Jay, we're, we're coming up on time here. Um, would you be so kind as to tell everybody where they can maybe book a hunt with you, where your social media is, where they can find your videos, your podcast, all that fun stuff? Yeah, for sure. I mean, these days, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is probably on Instagram, at jscottoutdoors. I also have a Gould's Turkey-specific Instagram. It's Gould's Turkey Hunt at Gould's Turkey Hunt on Instagram, also on Facebook, J. Scott Outdoors, Gould's Turkey Hunt on Facebook, and then my website is Gould's Turkey Hunt, not hunts, but Gould'sTurkeyHunt.com. You can also go on my personal website, which is J. Scott Outdoors. Um, my podcast, you can just type in J. Scott Outdoors on iTunes or any of the platforms that host podcasts. It should come up, and... um yeah, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, they can also send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And I do a Q&A on my Instagram. I try and do two or three times a week where people can ask me any question they want. And, you know, I usually get, I don't know, 50 to 100 um, questions every time I do it. And I try and answer every single question. So, yeah, tune in to Instagram at jscottoutdoors, all one word. 
if you want to book a hunt, I can mail you a contract, email you a contract and, um, love to talk turkey or coos or, you know, anything else. Uh, if I can help anybody, just let me know and appreciate, uh, anybody out there listening to my podcast. It's, uh, very well appreciated by me. That's awesome, Jay. And thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come on and talk with us. It, it's so appreciated by us. We're big fans of your podcast. I think everybody should go and listen to it, especially if you're into coos hunting or, Elk hunting or turkey hunting. I mean, you really put together something nice, and it's awesome. Bighorn sheep. Bighorn sheep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> appreciate you guys thinking of me. And, Heck and, yeah, uh, man. I'm happy to be a guest anytime. Uh, reach out. Feel free. I uh, uh, love being on this end of the mic and uh, getting getting to um, share my passion. So congrats on the success that you guys are having with your podcast. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. And, um, yeah, we'll be chatting at you down the line. Awesome, man. Thank appreciate you so much. Thanks, All right, Jeff. guys. Take care. Well, a huge shout out to Jay Scott for coming on the podcast. He is the man. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us tonight. You're a busy dude. You're in Arizona and it's really nice there. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't want to be talking to me either. <laughs> I would have just hung up the phone immediately. Yeah, right. Like, guys, it's like 80 degrees. I don't really want to talk on a, on a podcast episode right now. It was like five <laughs> o'clock for him too. Probably still, it's probably still sunny for him. He right was now. just getting ready to eat dinner probably. He was hungry, I bet. I don't know. I, I think he's still sitting in the sun with like a cold drink and and just in shorts and no t-shirt on, just hanging out. You never know, man. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I'm in a Carhartt sitting behind, sitting beside a heater. Yeah, trying the, to feel my toes. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's probably 76 in here. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good in here. But my drink's sweating. Yeah, my drink's sweating. Oh my gosh! Huge shout out to Jay Scott though. Everybody, go over, check out his social media. Go check out his YouTube page. Especially Look at those videos YouTube that he page. was talking about. I mean, guys, they're they're freaking incredible. The guy is a turkey guru. I am about to binge watch that YouTube page like you've never seen binge. Like, like it was, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't even compare. Like, my THP obsession with their turkey tour when it first came out in 2018. I like it. That's the binge watching that's about to happen. Yeah, and go on and subscribe to his YouTube channel. Go subscribe to his podcast. You can find it on iTunes, probably anywhere podcasts are found. I mean, the guy's huge in the podcast yeah, game. He's going to be everywhere. Yeah, go follow him on social media. Go do some of the Q&As that he has. If you have questions on turkeys, reach out to him. He's going to talk to you. He's a really good dude. Super easy to talk to. Yeah, he responded really quick to yeah. us. You know, I, I sent out a message to him on social media, and he responded super quick. We got this thing lined up in like three days. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. The guy's awesome. Yeah, I agree. And uh, guys, make sure you guys give us a five-star review on iTunes. That'd be greatly appreciated, and I know I appreciate it. Do you appreciate it, Chuck? I do appreciate it, and I appreciate all of our reviews. And uh, you know what? I was on the other, the other day and kind of catching up on some of our Facebook reviews and different things, and you know... I don't know how so, who some of them guys are, but man, when they say nice things, thank you. I just you know it gets me all warm and bubbly inside. That gets me all warm and bubbly inside. I agree. If you guys want to take a screenshot of your review and send it to us, we'll send you a sticker. We might send you more than a sticker. We might. We might do that. Since you can always nobody's send me, done it. You can always send me an email. <laughs> I'm not gonna get back on that train, but you can send me an email. <laughs> but look us up on social media. You guys know where we are. Look hey, up my Jay. Twitter game. I've been tweeting. Get back on Twitter. Go check us out on Twitter at the WD Podcast. Yes, sir. Yeah, a huge shout out to our sponsor, the Veteran Innovative Products. Was, they I, have the four blade combat veteran out there. Yes, they do, and our pre orders are in, and I expect those to come in soon. Let's go! I'm so Boom. excited. You got me 125s, right? 
125s. Let's go. Uh, you know what? I almost switched to the 125s. Well, we'll you're talk a fool. about that later. You are I don't a fool. Know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go with the 100s. Yeah, that's okay. I like it. But guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, you're wonderful. Thanks for the great reviews. Thanks for everybody subscribing. You guys are the true MVPs. Reach out to us. Let's chat sometime. I like it. Until next week. The distraction is real. Let's go.